said no to God. He said, no, I don't believe in this God. Then finally he said, like, okay, his, his magicians, his witch doctors told him, this is a very powerful God, but he still would not do what God wanted him to do, would he? Over and over and over again, he said no. Finally, on a particular night, the death angel passed through the land and looked at every house, and at certain houses, their firstborn children, even the crown prince of Egypt, died. Now before that night, everybody, everybody heard that this was going to happen, and Moses gave the people, especially the people of Israel, some special instructions. Because this time, remember, certain of the plagues that didn't go on the people of Israel? You know, the, the, the locusts, did the locusts go on the Israelites' land? No. Did the darkness, was it totally dark in the Israelites' land? No. But the death angel was going to pass through the whole land. It didn't matter if they were Israelites or Egyptians. He was passing through the whole land. But there was a way... There was something that people could do in order to protect their house from the angel of death. And Moses gave them special instructions. We're going to tell you about this. Maybe you know them already. So, Moses gave them instructions what to do, and all the men of Israel knew what they were supposed to do in order to protect their house from the angel of death when it came through the land. And so this is what they did. On the tenth day of the month. Now their months were a little different than ours, but what's today for us? Today is the seventh day of the month. So on the tenth day of the month, they were supposed to go to their flock of sheep, the lambs and the sheep, and they were supposed to look through all the sheep in their flock. And they were looking for one special lamb. And this is what they were supposed to look for in the lamb. First, the lamb had to be a male. It had to be a boy lamb. So they got all the boy lambs. Then they had to look at it. Had to have. Uh, it could only be not more than one year old. It had to be young, basically. So they got all the old lambs out. Then they're looking at all the boy lambs that were one year old, and they had to make sure that there was nothing wrong with any of those. If, if a lamb had like a crooked paw, or it had a tear on its ear, maybe somebody had, some goat or something had bit its ear and there was a little tear on its ear, or its eye was messed up, the lamb that they chose had to be perfect. It couldn't have anything wrong with it physically. It had to be a year old and it had to be a boy. And so on the 10th day, they went there and they picked this perfect lamb and they brought it into their house with them. Now, it sounds funny to us to have a lamb in our house, but we have dogs in our house and cats in our house, and they brought this lamb into their house for four days. And there they could watch it more closely and make sure that there was nothing wrong with that lamb at all. And then, on the fourth day, they took the lamb, and the father took a really sharp knife, and he cut its neck, and they would catch the blood from the lamb 
in a bowl, in a basin. And they caught the blood from that lamb being killed there. And then they took like some a bushy um, branch that and they dipped it in the blood, and they would take the blood, and they wiped it, sprinkled it, rubbed it on the post of their house, on the side post, and across the top. Now this was all, this was a symbol, but it was not, it ain't had to do it. Because God said that if he saw the blood of that lamb on the posts of their door, the angel of death would pass over their house and everybody inside would be saved. But houses that didn't have that sacrifice made wouldn't be saved. Wasn't that a sacrifice? They had to take a lamb that they loved. They got to, well, they were close to it there for four days. They had to take that lamb that they could have used for something else and they had to sacrifice it. That lamb gave its life gave its blood in the place of all the firstborn in that house. And that night, while after they killed that lamb, they had the blood on the side of the door and across the top of their door. And then they roasted the lamb. They made a meal, a special meal out of it. And they had a lamb dinner. And of course they had bread with their dinner, but the bread didn't have any yeast in it. It was just something that they were not allowed to put yeast in it, maybe because there wouldn't be time for the bread to rise. And you make bread, even our helpers, you make bread, it takes time for the bread to rise if it has yeast in it. So maybe they didn't have time for that. They just had to eat it with no yeast in it, a thin bread with their lamb dinner. And they were supposed to be all packed up. Because remember, God said to Moses, this last plague, once Pharaoh suffers this last plague, he will send you away. And so they were supposed to pack up everything on their back, be all ready to leave while they ate this meal. Everybody inside the home was protected from the angel of death, right? But homes that didn't have blood over the door, you think Pharaoh decided that he would obey God and kill a lamb and put blood over his door? No. So, no, because he worshipped idols. He didn't believe in God. But anybody, anybody who sacrificed that lamb and put the blood over the door of their house, they were protected from the angel of death. But that night, the angel, and so that night, on the night of the 14th, the angel of death went through the lamb house by house and when he got to certain houses what happened they died even the Pharaoh's son died but when he got to these houses everyone was safe and through the night people woke up their sons were dying Pharaoh called Moses and Aaron and said go take your children Take your animals, take everything you wanted, just like you asked in the first place. Go and leave us alone. And the other Egyptians were like, yes, please go. And the Israelites said to the Egyptians, okay, we'll go, but can you give us some money? Now, they had worked for many years with no pay, had they? They were slaves. But God told them to ask for money, and the Egyptians gave them silver and gold and
so the Israelites were able to leave Egypt on that night with the riches of Egypt, and they finally were free. They finally didn't have to do what the slave masters told them to do. They could finally leave. They went out of Egypt a mighty, huge number of people. When they went into Egypt, you remember a long time ago when Jacob went, Joseph uh, saved, um, provided food for his, for his family. They came down and saw Joseph, and then they moved down there. When they moved into Egypt, there was only 73 or 74, 75 of them. Now, many years, even hundreds of years later, when they left, the Bible tells us there was over 2 million of them leaving Egypt. Filing out all with everything they they owned on their backs, even the bread in their kneading troughs, strapped on their backs, and going along with their flocks and their herds and everything, they were on their way. Finally, they were free out of Egypt, and God came along, and He came in the form of a huge cloud, a pillar. Like a cloud. It wasn't like just clouds somewhere that we see all the time. You could tell this was a special cloud. And they followed that cloud. They followed God. And God led them out of Egypt. And he led them to the Red Sea. Now, in the morning, after all this had happened and the Israelites were on their way out, Pharaoh started figuring out what was going on. I'm sure he buried his son and started that. And then he realized that he didn't have anybody to do all this work. And what do you think he did? Gage? I think he went out of Egypt and followed when he said that. He changed his mind. Yep. He changed his mind again. How, he's changed his mind how many times? Over and over and over. Maybe ten times. Ten plays. Maybe change the plays. So he said, get the soldiers, get the chariots, we're going after them. We sent them away, we don't want them sent away, we want them coming back. And so they got on their horses, and they got on their chariots, and they started leaving, chasing in the, down the path of the Israelites. And the Israelites looked behind them, and what did they see? They saw the armies of Egypt coming after them, and they thought, we're going to die. And they started chewing out Moses. They said, Moses, why did you lead us out of Egypt? At least we would have lived if we stayed back there. Now they're going to catch us and kill us all. And Moses said, God, believe God. Remember everything else he's done. And they were following God. And then they got to the Red Sea. Now the Red Sea is like as big as Lake Michigan. It's huge. Where do you go? Can you go? You can't walk on the water, right? No. So they got to the Red Sea, and it was like, there's mountains on this side, and the desert on this side, and the, and the Red Sea in front of them, and the armies of Egypt coming behind them, and they thought, we're going to die. And God's big cloud that was in front of them went around behind them and went really down low in the ground, to the ground, and all of a sudden, the Egyptian army couldn't see anything. They were in the middle of the cloud. They couldn't see where the Israelites were. They were all lost. The Bible says that besides that, God reached out of the clouds and started pulling the wheels off their chariots. And then 
God told Moses to wave his rod over the sea, and a great mighty wind came and made a path through the sea. Just like, I mean, we've seen Lake Michigan, right? It would be like seeing a path, just being able to walk on the dry ground all the way to Chicago. Yeah. God blew a mighty wind, and the Bible says that all the children of Israel walked across the Red Sea on dry ground. Big walls of water on either side. We could never see that happen. But God could do that, can't he? God created the water. God created the winds. God created everything, and he could tell the winds and the waves and the water to do whatever he wants them to do, and they obeyed. So, the people, they walked across, and all the while, the big cloud of God is keeping the, the soldiers from seeing what they're doing. And then, when the people of Israel were safely across on the other side, God let the cloud, he lifted up his cloud, and the soldiers saw, and what did they think, what did they see? They saw a path going through the water, and, and Pharaoh said, Go get them! And so all the chariots went into the into the path through the... Yeah, you know what happened, right? And when they got in there, God told the, the waves to come back and they drowned all the soldiers, the armies of and the horses. They all were drowned in there. Horses are just animals. They're majestic. God created them, but they're just animals. They don't have souls like people do. So, when, when they saw that, when they saw what God had done, how he saved them, they looked back and they started singing a song saying that salvation comes from God. And salvation does come from God. The only way we can be saved. Now, we don't have armies of Egypt following us, do we? We don't have, um, most people in the world today don't have, uh, uh, they're not slaves to somebody they can see that, you know, makes them do whatever they want. But everybody in the world is a slave to sin because sin is very powerful. So sometimes we, we get up and we think, I'm going to be a good kid today. I'm not going to mouth off. I'm going to be kind to my brothers and sisters. And before one hour goes by, we've already sinned. We've already been mean to our brothers and sisters. We've already disobeyed our parents. Why is that? Why is it that that fast through the day we've already do stuff that's wrong? Because we're sinners. Listen, it's because we're sinners. And we need to be freed from that sin. And there's only one way to be freed from that sin. The sin will take us, and we keep doing that sin, and we never are free from it. Someday, that sin, and us, who, who doesn't turn from that sin, we'll, we will go to hell. We will be killed. We will die forever in hell. Okay? But just like, just like the Egyptians could be saved from being killed, by shedding blood, we can be saved from hell because somebody shed his blood. Right? Who was that somebody that shed his blood? 
Jesus was called the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sins of the world. That's right. I was kind of covering it, but you probably saw it. Remember on the cross, they took Jesus? He was perfect. He was a perfect lamb. Was, did he ever do anything wrong? No. He was perfect. And yet they killed him. They put him on a cross, and he shed his blood. He sacrificed himself. Did the lamb do anything wrong? No. But the lamb died so that the, so that the people could live, right? And did Jesus do anything wrong? No. But Jesus died so that we could live. But it doesn't just happen. God says that in order for Jesus' blood to cover our sin, in order for his death to make it so we can live, we have to turn from our own sin. We have to not walk to sin anymore and believe on Jesus. Jesus is the Savior. He's God. He's the King. We have to believe that He is who He is. Turn from our sin. And then, when we receive Him into our life, then God lets us fellowship with Him and forgives our sins and promises us that when we die, we will go to heaven and live with Him. And we're going to talk about that just a little bit more next week. But you should remember, you should know, that every one of us are sinners. If you don't understand that you're a sinner, someday, and probably soon, you will understand you're a sinner. Listen, if you don't want to admit that you're a sinner, you know it, but you're not admitting it, you have to admit that. And we have to turn from our sin and believe on Jesus in order to be redeemed. If we're never redeemed, we're going to have the punishment of God like everybody else, and that's in hell.